once you enter the film industry, it is very glamorous. I don't even know why you're asking. You know this isn't true. <laughs> I feel like... and welcome back to our podcast. Today we have a new episode for the Spilling the Tea series. The subject that we'll be covering today is film studies. Hey everyone, I'm Shreya and today's topic is a tad bit special as we have someone from the industry itself to give us their valuable insight. So people know what it's like to study very popular courses, but what does it entail and where would you end up going in the future? There's not much light shed on courses such as film studies. These days, universities do offer a variety of courses, so students can feel free to choose whatever they would like to pursue. But having knowledge about what each course entails is also very important. So today we'll be discussing with our panelists in detail about what it's like to be a film student at King's and what it's like to be working in the industry. So that being said, I would like to now introduce our panelists. So at first, we have Gary. Yes, hello, I'm Gary. I guess that's a nickname I go by. And I do film studies, a bit about myself. <laughs> Just one detail. Uh, I have a YouTube channel where I talk about movies there. They're self-plugging, promoting, there we go. Don't edit that out. <laughs> so yeah. And we have Nick. Hi, I'm Nick. Uh, I have a master's in producing film and TV, and I've recently just started working in the industry as a coordinator for art department and set deck. So that's like, I mean, what's the detail about me? I don't have anything to plug. Uh, <laughs> don't have a cool like fire album coming out or anything. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I'm sure we'll discover what that detail is about me along the way. Okay, thank you so much. So by now, I'm sure our listeners are quite used to our format, we'll be asking Gary and Nick about uh, what it's like to be a film student and being in the industry. As usual, the podcast is divided into four sections, generic starter questions, film student stereotypes, being Asian, and the key takeaways. So starting with our very first question, why did you decide to go into film? Well, I mean, I guess I've been always into film, like since a young age. And I mean, you know, like you keep watching movies, and I mean, everybody watches movies, really. But it's like when you watch a lot of movies like I did growing up, it's like something starts kind of like click in your brain where you start noticing things like, oh, there's actually like people behind the camera actually like making this. Like this doesn't just like come out of thin air. And when I start like thinking about film in that way and that there's like all these talented people doing all these things, I start getting like really fascinated by just the whole process of filmmaking. And that kind of led into me just kind of like, spiraling like learning more about it because growing up I've always just tried to like just you know research into things and like how I'd start out is I'd watch like behind the scenes kind of like footage on like DVDs or Blu-rays you know special features directors commentaries I mean that's like you know at that point for me that was like the best form of education was to actually like learn from the directors the crews themselves actually making the movies and eventually like, you know it's just like it started out as a hobby and then I kind of wanted to take it further, and that's why I'm studying film studies at King's College London right now. Cool. I think mine's sort of a similar um, interest to Gary. I think most people in the arts, they have that sort of initial passion. But I just 
went about it a very different way. So similar to Gary, I, you know, love film ever since I was like 12, 13, watched so many and just, yeah, you have that moment where it clicks in your head that this is, it's more than just, you know, consumerism. It's more than just escapism. There's, there are people behind the camera and there's so much craft invo- involved. But for me, I, I started my degree in law and then I finished that at Bristol. And then after that, I started making films. So I started quite late. I actually started relatively late. So I only really started making films and actually delving into the industry, so to speak, when I was about 18, no, more than that, 21. Yeah, um, pretty late on. And then after that, after making a few films, I decided to hone hone in, uh, got my master's from Royal Holloway. And then as I was finishing it, then I got into the industry fully. I was working for a production company as well before, whilst I was doing my master's. But of course, before, you know, even whilst I was doing law, even whilst I was in school or whatever, you, you always just, you watch those behind the scene featurettes, you watch every film that comes out. I, I mean, I still do and did, you know, I just go to the cinema alone. That's my happy place. So I'll do that whenever I can, or I did that whenever I can. You just really want to know as much as you can about the craft. And I think that's why we all got, get into it or got into it. Well, thank you so much for your valuable answers. That, that really was wholesome. So moving on to our next question, what does studying film involve and how does it relate to a real world experience? Right. So I feel like a common misunderstanding with film studies, even with some like film students during like the first few weeks of actually learning, it was like, oh, wait, we're not actually like making movies. We're just like... It's basically like English where instead of analysing books, you're analysing films. And I feel that's the first thing I should mention is, look, we're not actually getting to like make films here. It's we're looking at film form, film history as well, and seeing like the evolution of like filmmaking and how it's evolved through history and film language as a whole. And, you know, that's kind of like what it involves. Although I've been doing stuff outside of that, uh, like join the film site to actually make like short films and whatnot. But uh, in terms of like how it relates to real life or real world experiences, with me, although I do love learning more about films, because I mentioned that before, you know, watching behind the scenes featurettes. And although, you know, there's such like valuable like experience from that, there's like an extent how much you can learn about professional like lecturer kind of like guiding you through the course and actually just being in that kind of like education environment, which I really value in Kings. Uh, but again, film studies is more for me kind of like a stepping stone to get into film school, perhaps like London Film School or the NFTS in Beaconsfield, because, you know, I'm learning about film history and film language and also on the side doing like a film side thing. And like two years ago, I actually did like a residential at the BFI Film Academy uh, back in Bradford, which is where I'm from. And that was, again, a really valuable experience, like being a producer on a short film, working with a crew, that was honestly life-changing for me. I'm doing this now until I can actually get into film school because I don't want to do film school as like an undergraduate because I feel like if you do that, you kind of, I don't know, you're like less experienced and just not very good because, I mean, you've experienced less of life. So I want to do this like three years of film studies in London in a whole new environment and just see myself evolve as a person, if that makes any sense. So yeah, um, it is a huge misconception that film studies and studying film or practical filmmaking are the same and it's very different. Whilst when you study practical filmmaking or, you know, actually getting your hands on cameras and learning the actual onset procedure or whatever, um, the nitty gritty, it's very helpful as a creative to have the film study back backing and background as well, because, you know, you learn from history, you learn from the greats and you learn from understanding what filmmaking is. I think my entrance point rather is, um, 
is more practical than that because I came into it with the goal of making films. So I, you know, I think I agree with Gary as well. You got to build your portfolio essentially. So no matter what course you do, whether it be film studies, whether it be English or whatever, you can always make films, you know, you can always do that. And whether you want to get to NFTS or whatever, you know, London film school or anything like that, they need to see a body of work. And that's essentially what it is. Right. I don't believe you need to go to film school as an undergrad or even in general, you don't really need to go to film school. You know, the amount of people you see on a film set who didn't go to film school and who have done different degrees or different disciplines, that in fact, a lot of them, most of them, that's what's so great about the film industry is it's such a versatile industry, but it helps definitely to get your hands on like it really really does i think what that's the point that i didn't quite understand or not didn't understand but didn't appreciate when i first started is that equipment is really expensive that's where most of your budget is going toward you know you've got cameras and lights that cost tens of thousands of pounds so the best way to do that and to really try your hand at it is through film school that's like probably the biggest sell I think for for going to film school. Um, but again, I, I didn't properly go to film school. You know, I started really late. But you don't have to start young. You can start whenever. You know, as long as you love it and are hardworking. It's like everything else. It's like any other discipline, it's just really hardworking. You got to be proactive, and yeah, then you'll get far. Okay, so our next question is: What was your favorite module or area, and why? Right. So I guess. Uh, one of the modules that we do is film history 1895 to 1930 and at first I didn't think I'd be that into the bunch of old movies that are like you know from that era I'm like but when you actually get into it it's really like fascinating to see how those films kind of reflect the context that they're made in and you learn a lot about like the society that's like going on especially when you have filmmaking movements like German Expressionism, Soviet Montage, like especially with Soviet Montage actually, because like Russia is such a fascinating, you know, country with like such a rich history that, you know, I just loved learning about all that kind of stuff about like all these different film movements. Say that's my favorite. There are other modules that kind of like, the ones that you more expect to have in film studies like film form, whereas like, you know, you analyze cinematography, mise-en-scene, lighting, that kind of thing. But if I, you know, that's my favorite module is the film history one. I, I love that, by the way. I, I remember doing a lot of, well, this is all personal research and I've, that's just because I, I love it. You know, watching like Battleship Potemkin or like, you know, Metropolis or even, you know, Man with a Moving Camera or things like Mopiti. It's all the context, the historical context of when these films are made. You know, they're born out of, I guess, rebellion. They're born out of the creative necessity because yeah, as, as, as Gary said, you know, Germany and Russia, they're such closed off countries at that point in time you know they were so repressed and so oppressed that these filmmakers came out and then they did these incredible things with this new technology and this new form it's it's super exciting it's super interesting that's probably one that i had i gone to do film studies i would definitely have loved to go more into that sort of thing but you know i just had to just had to do it for my own bedroom i guess so i don't really have an answer for my favorite module per se but i think for me as a person and what i do as a job it's you know, I'm a coordinator basically on set and offset and my own sort of personal goals is, is producing. So it's all about people management and organization. And I'm, I'm a little bit OCD. So that probably, probably feeds into that as well. I just quite like a lot of control, um, <laughs> you know, which I think is something that people don't see or people don't think that of film people. People just think, oh, it's like head in the clouds. You know, you're very, you're creative. So you're just more untethered, I think. But I think that's a misconception because, you know, most people in the industry are very highly, highly organized people, even people in art department. 
who create mise-en-scene, you know, who create everything you see on screen, you'd think, oh God, they just must be looking at colors and, you know, they're all really weird and wacky, but they're not. They can break down cost reports and budgets like better than most people, better than most accountants I know. Yeah, I think that's my favorite part of it is that you think one thing of people, but they change your perceptions in a really unexpected way. And I think the organizational part of it is really cool to me. That sounds like a boring answer, but <laughs> it's just true. I'm a boring person who's a control freak, apparently. <laughs> I think your answer does answer the next question as well, because our next question is, what do you like the most about your degree stash work? Yeah. So I guess it's mm-hmm. the history part of, you know, for both of you. Actually, it is really intriguing, not going to lie, like, you know, what has happened in the past and you're recreating yeah, exactly. that. Okay, so um, just now someone mentioned about having high-tech equipment. I think, Nick, you mentioned about it. So the next question is, is Kings good at giving you access to high-tech equipment? And um, to make it more relevant to you, Nick, is it important to have this to produce good quality work? Right, so this one I can't actually fully like commentate on because, well, first of all, you know, film studies, there's no filmmaking whatsoever. I mean, I should like relate, like, with film studies, you know, we learn about the Dogma 95 movement. So my own personal opinion on that is, you know, you can, like, if you've got limited resources, you can make, like, good stuff. Even now, we get, like, films that are, like, you know, Tangerine by Sean Baker shot on an iPhone 5S, I believe. And that movie is really good. And the fact that it is shot on an iPhone actually makes it a better movie because it kind of fits the whole, like, kind of trashy aesthetic that the movie's going for. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna mention Tangerine, you know, Sean Baker, he's he shoots a lot of stuff unconventionally. You know, even even like Steven Sonnenberg, he he shot Un- Unsane, I think it was called, on an iPhone. Yeah. You know, and you there's so much cool technology now. You don't need insane film, quote unquote film grade cameras or whatever. You can make you can make anything with anything. But that being said, you know, let's be honest, if you're gonna see something in the cinema on a big screen, you're gonna need a certain resolution. You know, things go up to like 8K nowadays. Your eye can barely see what 8K is. So it's a yes and no answer for me, but I, I mostly agree that, you know, mostly, especially in student short films, you definitely, you're not gonna have the best equipment, but how good it looks depends on how good cinematographer is, how good your lighting is gonna be. And to be to be honest, most stories, and I believe what film is, it's telling a story, right? It's telling a good story. Everything else is side. You know, I, uh, who was I talking to? It was um, it was a director who said our job isn't to make pretty pictures; it's to make a relatable story. It's to make a compelling story. So no matter what equipment you have, just go with it. You know, you don't need all this cool stuff and the newest technology, even though that's really fun. Some of the newest technology is mad. Film film technology in general is bleeding edge stuff. It's top of you know, computer animation, graphics, or even audio technology. It's all the top of the range things. But no, you don't need it. <laughs> <clears throat> I really like how, you know, when our panelists are just asking questions, answering the questions, and me and Karshan are like, oh, okay, that's how it's supposed to be. Because <laughs> we ourselves are learning a lot. So that being said, moving on to our next question. We already know the answer to this one. Do you go to film festivals or every time a film studies student watches a film, all they do is judge it instead of simply enjoying it? So what are your thoughts on that? Um, so thing is, coming from Bradford, I actually didn't go to like any film festival because there really, there's just nothing going on there. The only thing Bradford is notable for is being the place where Zayn Malik is from. I didn't go to any film festivals, but being in London at King's is just, it's amazing because we had the BFI London Film Festival here just a few months ago. 
and seen like all these like independent movies like Red Rocket, you know, the new Sean Baker yeah, yeah. film, incredible. I saw Compartment Number Six as well, which is like this Russian language movie that doesn't even have a release date right now. And you know, it's mad. There's all these crazy good like independent movies that nobody knows about because they're only being shown at these film festivals. So being able to like take advantage of that opportunity and not like you know when I was back in Bradford being like, oh, this movie looks interesting. Oh, but it's coming out in, like, I don't know, Blu-ray in, like, next year or something. Like, I remember, like, when The Lighthouse came out, I was like, holy crap, Willem Dafoe, Robert Pattinson, this looks amazing. Black and white photography, I'm so in. Oh, but it's not getting, like, a major, like, theatrical run until, like, six months from now, which is, like, that is pretty disappointing. But, you know, I definitely love the experience of going to a film festival because the audience especially... It's like when you're there, everybody's there for the movie because you're just in a room full of cinephiles. So I definitely love that because you don't have anyone being like, oh, I'm just going to like go on my phone, eat my like nachos and popcorn really loudly. So no, film festivals are great. And I guess what the second part of the question is like, what watching movie, like judging them. With me, I get enjoyment from like judging movies. I feel like I have really kind of like high taste and that kind of like, when I see a movie that is like so technically exceptional, I can appreciate that more rather than me thinking like, oh, I'm like judging this movie. It's just, I don't know, it just all seems natural to me. Like, I guess I just, compared to like an average Joe, I probably noticed the flaws more as a film study student. Like, I saw Eternals recently. That movie is awful. God, I know, like everything about it is just like, what were they thinking? But a friend of mine, he watched Eternals is like, Oh, yeah, I greatly enjoyed That's, like, my favourite film of the year. And I'm like, fair enough. So, I guess as a film study student, I am a bit more judgy about, kind of, like, entertainment. But that's my thoughts on that, I guess. I compartmentalise a lot more. But, you know, when you, when you watch, when you're involved in the actual process and you've... You know, like we, we make films and I know all the details in the background. For example, I was watching No Time to Die, the new James Bond flick. And I, w- I was sat there and because I'm in set deck and, and art department, everything in the background I pick up on. And I just, I noticed there was a painting in the background that I picked out from a, po- a prop house for the film that I was just on. So that same piece is going to be in the film. <laughs> and I just recognized it. So it's things like that, the little things that I think you appreciate more um, when you're just completely immersed in either, you know, analyzing film or actually in the industry itself. It's it's quite weird. Like the magic is, so for some people, the magic is just taken completely out of it. For me, it adds to the magic. So I, I'm going to answer the second part first, then go back to the first, just because Gary set me on that tangent. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely do compartmentalize there are some films that are just pure escapism for me where I can, in a way, turn off my brain, even though inherently there's always going to be in my head, like, I'm going to be critical of certain things like structure or characters or just on an emotional, organic level, I'm going to judge it. But that's not, I'm not actively trying. It's just because when you watch as many films as we do, you just automatically do what works for you. You can, what, what's probably the best way to go about it is, you know what does and does not work for you just automatically. That's probably the easiest distinction between someone who does film studies or loves, loves, loves film and watches so many films and analyzes it or is involved in the filmmaking process is that you can identify why you don't like something or why you like something. Whereas if you were to ask an old person, you know, like the average moviegoer, you know, why did you like that film? They just go, oh, I like it, which is fine, which is completely fine. Like, that's cool. That's what movies are for. You know, they're not, there are some films that are meant to be more cerebral and you have to think metaphorically and, you know, there's a 
background message and sure you can decipher that but from on a base level you know most moviegoers go oh i don't like that or i like that like eternals you know i can tell you a million reasons why i didn't like eternals there are things about it i did like and i can identify those too but some people or most people it's just baseline yes i like it no i didn't that's it so from that perspective no it doesn't ruin the fun of the movie because you're still enjoying it but you definitely are a little bit more analytical i think when it comes to just watching movies on a regular basis in terms of film festivals i've been to a couple and even a couple small ones because when you enter your film into a film festival you can you go to the festival or whatever and yeah no they're really interesting you know they're really interesting like the the bfi london short film festival or not short film festival film festival you know gary's right it's it's everyone's there for a singular purpose you know everyone's there for for a film that isn't necessarily getting a massive wide release and won't be seen by general audiences for months to come and that's really interesting that's really exciting i actually watched the lighthouse and and Parasite six months before it came out because I was working for a producer who was part of, of BAFTA. So you could always, you, he gave me the, oh God, am I allowed to say this? He gave me the DVDs for the, <laughs> the for the For Your Consideration DVDs. Oh, so I, screeners. yeah, yeah, the screeners. So I got to watch them lots in advance. So I guess when you're in the industry or you're working in film, you get the little like, little perks every now and again. And it's similar to film festival, that sort of feeling of like, ooh, this is exclusive. Even though, don't get me wrong, like when I do watch an Avengers, when I do watch a Spider-Man, like I do really, really love those franchises. You have to admit they are, some of the, from a producer's point of view, they are lucrative. They make billions of dollars, billions of pounds. It's insane. It's a huge business and you can't deny that. You know, there's a certain joy in watching that sort of thing. And I will be there munching on popcorn or nachos or whatever, you know. Yeah, you got to compartmentalize the two. So the next question is, what do film students go on to do after university? Well, with me, I mentioned it before, uh, film schools, what I'm thinking of doing, London School or the National Film and Television School. Those are the two big film schools in the UK. I'll definitely go for that. But for other people, I'm actually like, I'm not quite sure what other people do after film studies. Because I remember when I went to see um, uh, Come On, Come On with a friend of mine, Eduardo, I was like, you know, we're both into movies. Like, oh, bro, you should do like film studies. And he's just like, bro, what the hell am I going to do with a film studies degree? You know, and I'm just like, all right, fair enough, bro. For me, I can, I have a clear plan. You know, it's like I'm using film studies kind of like, again, like a stepping stone to get into film school. Unfortunately, I'm just, I'm not sure what else I would be using film studies. Also, I mean, it's such a big question just because it's honestly a massive industry. There are so many jobs that exist that anyone of whatever background of whatever you know, education can do. So you don't even necessarily have to do film to be in film or you don't necessarily have to. I don't know. I mean, nowadays there's COVID supervisors, you know what I mean? Like there's COVID coordinators, COVID trainees, stuff like that. You've got entire departments that cost like tens of thousands of pounds to run because of this pandemic. You know, you don't need a film degree for that. You know, you don't need a film degree for even in production, to be honest. You don't need you don't need any degree for any of it. That's how it goes, listeners. <laughs> Quit your courses. It's time. It's time to go against the system. And it, no matter what degree you do, film studies, law, med, whatever, you cannot. Well, med's probably a little less specialized. You probably want to be a doctor if you're doing medicine. But yeah, you can change course whenever. You don't have to wait. You don't, you know, you can do anything with the industry, to be honest, or even out of it even film studies you could decide after your three-year course i don't want to do films anymore i want to do something else i mean sure you have a clear plan but others might not yeah there's no right or wrong answer to be honest it's like every other degree you can do whatever you want with that degree afterwards which is what i did you know i didn't do law after okay so just on it you mentioned that anyone can go into film right and there's like all these jobs that have cropped up 
if someone did want to go into the film industry, can you like explain how do we like get into it in the first place? Well, it's like any other job, to be honest. Um, let's say you want to join a production company. It basically just, it's the same cover letter, CV, and then interviews. This is offset. This is like production work, um, production office wise, production company wise. Yeah, it's basically the same as every other industry, which is what I want people to like really, you know, understand is that it, people think film is this very isolated industry. It's not, just think of it as a business. Even on set, let's say you want to you work as a camera, in, in camera department. That one's a little harder because you need special skills. But you start at the bottom, you start as a camera trainee and you apply as just a freelancer, as if you were self-employed. You'd apply for, through certain sites or through certain, you know, like groups or industry pages or whatever. Same thing as other self-employed industries. And then you just get interviewed, you get selected for it. That's just how it works with, yeah, it's, it's the same, it's the same. Thank you both of you for your insightful answers. Now we're going to move on to the next section. Okay, so we're going to be discussing the stereotypes of oh, <laughs> being in the film industry or being a film study student. So our very first question, oh my God, okay. Our very first question is, film study students are hipsters slash pretentious. <laughs> I'm so sorry for this, but anyway, <laughs> spill some tea. Uh... It's 100% true. We are all hipsters, pretentious, who like artsy-fartsy, perverted movies. It is true that in film stories, you do have, like, a group of people that are like that. We do have that one David Lynch weirdo in the class. We do have the one guy who, you know, there's actually, like, a guy who just loves Christopher Nolan. Then there's, like, the, you know, another dude who just only watches Marvel movies. I'm not naming any names, but there's this one guy in my course who, legit, he never watches any of the films that we actually have to study for our course. He only watches, like, I look on his letterbox, which is like a, if you don't know, it's a social media form where you can, like, log movies. I look and it's just like, he's just been watching the Spider-Man trilogy, the amazing Spider-Man. He's like, I don't see any films that we actually have to do for our course except Wally watched. It's like, dude, what, what are you doing in film studies, man? Uh, for myself, I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm that pretentious. Uh, I, that's kind of a weird question, but I mean, yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> Yeah, completely true. Everyone's everyone's super pretentious. Uh, every single person in, in film in film at all times. Um, I mean, <laughs> yes, there are there are tendencies of a lot of people who love films or, or you know film studies students who I know. I know a lot of film students who only want yeah the David Lynch freak in the classroom. You know, who, you won't stop banging on about Mulholland Drive. I swear to God. But I think for the most part, most film fans that I know or like you know most film people they have a variety of tastes so like me i love everything from marvel to star wars to like you know all the the more artsy films let's say you know like even like the green knight i don't know if you've seen like, yeah, the, yeah. yeah the green knight and things so it, it really ranges i think it depends on you as a person um me personally i've got a very eclectic wide taste and i i think how i explain myself to people is i want to love everything you know why wouldn't you want to love everything you know you want to give everything a chance you want to give it the benefit of the doubt you know even though like i'm not the biggest harry potter fan for example i enjoy the films and i've been like re-watching the films over christmas because i think they're really you know they're well made competent competently made films and they're enjoyable so i think the perception that film students are pretentious and hipsters yes they are that's, that's my answer <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's something I just found out. So, our <laughs> next stereotype uh, and our next statement is film students are obsessed with indie or foreign films. Well, like all film, uh, I mean, I did kind of mention, like, you do have a variety of film students in there. 
that like simply just won't watch that kind of stuff. But I mean, from who I know, I'm like I'm surprised that how many like the film students that we had here at Kings didn't go to the film festival. There's only like a few people I know, and I mean the films that they did see were kind of like more major, like the gala events, you know, Last Night in Soho, French Dispatch. Whereas like I kind of like avoid those movies because I knew they're going to come out like cinemas soon anyway. So I wanted to prioritize seeing stuff like the foreign language stuff, uh, Drive My Car, that three hour long Japanese oh, movie. Yeah. But uh, also Compartment Number Six, which I mentioned, which I really love. It's one of my films of the year. Again, Red Rocket, you know, super like indie movies. But I mean, me personally, I don't only like those type of movies. I mean, I've been dissing Marvel quite a bit here, but I mean, I like Marvel. I like, you know, Infinity War. I'm hyped for the new Spider-Man No Way Home. I, I freaking love Into the Spider-Verse. That's not exactly like MCU, but that movie is just incredible. It's by far the best Spider-Man film. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, that's like, that movie is so incredible. And I'm hyped across the Spider-Verse. Just other like big budget stuff as well, like Lord of the Rings is just so well made. It's like just because it isn't made by some filmmaker with like a super low budget doesn't mean there's not talent going into these movies. And you especially see that like Lord of the Rings has some of the most extensive behind the scenes like featurettes on their DVDs that, you know, listen to this and think of doing film studies. Definitely check out those behind the scenes features on the Lord of the Rings, like just Blu-ray collection or whatever. Because they film so much footage that it's it's just gold, so that's what I'd say for that question. I mean, Lord of the Rings makes makes a grown man cry. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess what is a foreign film? I guess non-English, non-English, that would be the, I guess, the definition. And yeah, I mean, film's film, isn't it? Like, no matter what language it's in, personally, just because there's a line of subtitles there doesn't make it any less of a, a film. From people that I know, film students and, you know, film people, to be honest, most of them who are part of the industry, they quite like the generic stuff. I know someone who doesn't even watch films who is in art department, but she she doesn't watch films and she's very, very directly involved in films. And it just shows you that it's just a big machine. You know, it, you don't need to love it to do it, but it really helps. It really, really helps. I mean, that's why you, you want to do it, you know? I mean, some, I, I think I have very similar sens- sensibilities to Gary, like very, very wide wide tastes i i do love foreign quote-unquote foreign movies or foreign language movies because it's a different culture isn't it it's a different perspective and that's what you want to learn about i think that's what the best thing about film is that it's being able to digest another culture altogether or your own culture and learn from that or have a new perspective on that and i think that's what all art should do you know whether it be it film or painting whatever you know you've got to have an insight into all these little nooks and crannies cultural nooks and crannies but yeah i mean we don't all just love foreign films and indie films not all of us anyway i mean you definitely get some of them (laughs) some people thank you so much for your answers okay so our next statement true or false all film study students do is watch films all day yeah this is just not true especially like recently i've just got so much stuff to do like as a first year i mean i gotta cook for myself you know (laughs) i've got a just yeah laundry that's the thing. <laughs> Dishes. I mean, I wish I could watch. Maybe I could be watching movies all day long. Wow. If if you like want to get into film, you can't just be watching movies. That's like what I did. You know, you got to take all the opportunities that you can get. Like recently, uh, I was actually like notified about this short film that they just needed extra or some like guy to do the clapperboard thing. And I was like, you know what? I'll do that for a whole day. Why not? And I did it. You know, that production would have just like crumbled without me like who knows what scene they would have been on what take it's like how they know what to do so that's my answer for that 
so yeah no no you don't you don't watch films all day at all i mean it's i want to want to stress this to everyone you gotta work man (laughs) people gotta work there's a hustle involved film industry is probably worse than most industries so a standard work day in the film in the film industry is 11 hours it's 11 hours and sometimes you're doing five to six days a week non-stop for about well it can go anywhere between three to eight months it's non-stop it's full on when i was working so i usually do like three four or four months on and i work and then afterwards i'll take a month off and then go back and do the same thing it's just rinse and repeat so where would i have time <laughs> to watch films like i i didn't see a single film when I'm working, I don't watch films. It's only until after that I get to catch up. But no, that's a huge misconception. Well, maybe it's a misconception of people particularly doing film studies, but it's that's built into your course. And you're, that's work. It isn't just I'm watching films all day. It's like I have to actually break down this entire film. And it's not exactly... It's not exactly a fun watch, I'll tell you that, right? I mean, these films that I met, that Gary and I mentioned, you know, like the Battleship Potemkins, they're not fun to watch. They're hours of literally just basically silence and black and white, which is fun and nice to like see, but... But it's not like chilling to watch Ryan Reynolds films. No, I'm not, I'm not watching this for like entertainment purposes. <laughs> no, but in the industry especially, like again, as I said, some people don't even watch films in general. And when you're working, you certainly don't have time to watch films. Even on weekends. I mean, yes, you can, but I was asleep most weekends. I'm just, I'm just completely drained. You know, you don't have time for that. <laughs> okay, so our next statement is once you enter the film industry, it is very glamorous. I don't even know why you're asking. You know this isn't true. <laughs> I feel like everybody just assumes, nah, that's just not how... Like, any job, actually, like, starting out that, like, you're passionate about, you're just going to be at them. It kind of, like, there's this quote from the British office that I actually kind of like, and I kind of relate to, like, what I'm doing, like, film studies, is what I'd rather be was, like, at the bottom of a ladder that I want to climb than, like, halfway up one that I don't want to be on. And that's kind of how I view film. It's, like, even after, like, film school and I'm starting out as, like, production assistant, that's still like, that's a ladder that I want to climb and be on top on. Then rather being like, okay, I can currently like take a job that's like, it'll pay more right now, but it's something that I'm just going to hate. It's not something I'm passionate about. Whereas like, if I grind into film, it's like, sure, it might not pay, you know, much at the start, but eventually, you know, you get good at it, you learn more stuff, you get just a variety of, and you will start getting like more rewards from that. If you just invest time into it, that's like what you got to do, honestly, just invest in yourself, believe in yourself and eventually things will be pretty decent yeah it's it's balancing like anything else in life i guess it's balancing monetary to actual satisfaction you know so you could be doing a job that you completely hate sure it's going to pay well and you know coming from law school like most of my friends they went on to do law things so yeah they they get paid a lot but they're kind of unhappy people um for the most part and it's just yeah i gotta clear that up in in terms of how much you get paid as a regular crew member are the most underpaid overworked people you will ever meet in your life we account of we we account for very very low percentage of the budget and you're like below the line if you're an actor so if you're on a big budget film let's say you're on a bantu 30 million pound film if you're an actor like a big star you will get paid maybe you can get paid up to five percent of that budget you know, you can do two weeks worth of work and you can pay five million pounds, for example. But that's because you're 
the face of the film and you're the actor. If you're the producer, you get, yeah, you get high fees. Um, and if you're a director, you get high fees. But even then, you got to grind. And I mean, the cast, not so much. The cast get put up in fancy hotels. But <laughs> that's just my view. But if you're just normal, you're working in the industry as crew member, you get paid. You get so underpaid for the amount of hours you're working, for the amount you put in, you, you're very underpaid. If you're a PA on set, you're going to be, you know, standing in the rain at 4.30 in the morning, directing cars to parking, underappreciated and other people screaming at you. And I've heard of, yeah, a lot of my friends have, started that way and you'll be paid just above minimum wage you know it's not it's not glamorous it's not always fun you know sometimes it's cool to be able to see oh you know there's like last one i was on I was like oh there's Kristen bell you know that's cool but the novelty wears off when you realize that oh yeah by the way i'm like you know you're treated and you're put on a pedestal everyone literally caters to you and normal people on the ground like normal soldiers slash troops get treated a bit like that at times you got to be willing to climb the ladder i think that's why most people in the industry stay in the industry is because you just love it but you are also treated a bit poorly so thank you for debunking a lot of the stereotypes our next section is called being asian you know we're asian society we want to relate what it's like being an asian in the film industry So our first question is, how did your family or parents react to your decision to study film or to enter into the film industry? Basically, my mom doesn't, still doesn't understand what I'm doing right now. Like film study, what the hell is that? That's not real. Uh, My dad initially was kind of like, uh, film? And I guess, you know, because I'm, you know, Asian household, whatnot. My like grandparents, my dad's side, they moved from India. I guess it's kind of like still that kind of like mentality, uh, like, oh, we want like a son that's doing like law or medicine, that sort of thing. I mean, my stepmom, I mean, well, she's white. So maybe that changed things when she talked to my dad and was just like, look, let, let him do what he wants. And the thing is, actually, my stepmom's just been super awesome about it because she's also in like a creative industry. She's advertising. And I guess she was like more sympathetic to like what I wanted to do. And then kind of like taught my dad, like, oh, look, he wants to do film, let him do the film. And then eventually my dad's like, okay, I should just support my son in what he does. And yeah, it's all cool. And like, my dad has been super supportive about it right now. Like, I would not be here without him. And I'm glad that I have that kind of like family. Not to ruin that. I'm <laughs> 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 oh, joking. Um, I mean, as you can imagine, it, I've, always, I've always wanted to do a film. Um, I never wanted to do law, if I'm being completely honest. I, I did it to sort of, to, even if it wasn't law, I was like, can I do history? No. <laughs> so law it is. I'm like, how about history at Cambridge? What if I try for that? No, no, law. It's law or not. No, it's, uh, they were never meant to this. But, you know, I did law because of the expectation of, of my family. I come from, from a very traditional, like Malaysian Chinese family, especially from my mom's side. And it's what you do. So the conversation I had to have as I was approaching the end of my three years of law at Bristol was very difficult. When I told them, I remember this, we were sat like over lunch and I told them like, look, I can't, I can't do this for the rest of my life. I'm going to do something else. <laughs> going to go the other way. And there was, there was a lot of silence. And then I think they realized in that moment, they couldn't stop me anyway. Like it was just whether they were willing to help me get there. Um, because I, I just couldn't do law anymore. Not knocking law or anything like it's for, you know, for other people, it just wasn't for me. Um, and it has come in very helpful actually, um, just in, just in my day to day. 
but it was tough and it still is tough. Like my grandfather, we had an hour long conversation the other day where I was basically trying to explain to him what I was doing. And I was at work as well. So it was like, <laughs> I was like trying, I was screaming into, not screaming into the phone. I was like speaking into FaceTime to him in Mandarin, just trying to explain what was going on. My entire, like all my colleagues were like, what is happening right now? <laughs> so it, I think as, as an Asian person in the industry, not only are we grossly, you know, underrepresented, so there are very few examples for m more people, you know, back home to actually be like, oh, this is an example of a success story. It's also very hard for them to understand what we do, why we do it. Like, it's just, it's a non-conventional, as you said, you know, I guess this is the topic, it's a non-conventional area. You know, it's a very, it's a very new industry. I think that's, that's the, the thing. It's something that will take them time to understand. But ever since I think, you know, mom and dad recognize that I'm just doing my thing, um, like I'm working. So, you know, I'm, I'm employed and I'm happy. I'm doing something I love. So in the end, what more could you ask for? You can't really, you can't really be like, no, go back to this other thing. I know you're happy now, but <laughs> sorry. <laughs> okay, thank you so much for your answers. Uh, moving on to our next question. What is it like in the film industry for Asian filmmakers? Uh, like in the entertainment industry in general? I don't, like me personally, I don't frown at Asian has kind of like prevented me from like getting the opportunities I've had. Like two years ago when I, you know, again did the film kind of residential, I don't think really my ethnicity influenced like the decision whatsoever. It's like, you know, I was there, I took hold of it. And especially like now generally in the film industry, we are getting mercy out there with like all kinds of directors, like even in big budget movies as well like Black Panther, you know, you got an all, like, pretty much all black cast, you know, Shang-Chi as well for, like, Chinese, and we're definitely, like, although there's, like, definitely, like, a comeback from that where people are like, oh, Hollywood is, like, work now, SJW, whatever, that kind of, like, crowd. I think it's a good thing that we do have more opportunities for all types of filmmakers to tell their stories. You know, we have directors from all kinds of backgrounds, and even, like, in film studies, when we learn about, you know, all types of you know, directors from their backgrounds, like new Iranian cinema, you know, there is value to having just diversity in film. Yeah, we're definitely making ways a little bit, um, especially with, you know, Shang-Chi and uh, Crazy Rich Asians. And again, like I have, I'm kind of ambivalent about, about Crazy Rich Asians for many reasons. I think we're just tapping the surface a little bit and, you know, it still is Hollywood and it still is kind of surface level more lip service as opposed to actual huge change but but having said that like it is getting better for me it wasn't so much i wouldn't say there's a difficulty getting in but there's definitely have been barriers to entry because of where i've been from like where i'm from so i'm malaysian i don't have a british passport or anything so and i and i know most people listening trying to get jobs and training contracts and placement schemes or whatever it's very difficult for foreign students to get that because you know, employers have to get new work visas. And that's just like, it's just annoying things like that, that sort of make it a little bit more difficult. And that's the same in the film industry a little bit, um, unless you're a contractor like me now, where you can just sort of be self-employed a little bit or contracted. You're right in terms of the, this new upcoming wave of diverse directors and diverse, diverse cast and crew and to be honest more diverse stories but i definitely like it to be more specific i think that's the direction that i want films to go in or the industry to go in is to be less hollywoodized um more true true you know let's say you want to have asian cinema such a big wide variety but like korean cinema for example like you know that's the biggest thing over the past few years 
Korean cinema is coming up. And I think Korean cinema ranges from, oh, this is going to be so controversial, but like, <laughs> I really dislike K-dramas. I really, I think they're trash, right? And I think, I think they're like the East Enders or like, yeah, the Hollyoaks of, of England. I'm going to insult so many people here. I don't care. <laughs> but it ranges from that to like high, high, high art, like Parasite. To me, Parasite is a flawless film. I've seen that film yeah. so many times because I think it's beautiful. And it's just like someone just in control, complete control of their craft. And that doesn't pander to any Hollywood audience. That's very specific. You know, Bon Joon-ho was like, I'm going to make my film. I don't care about the West or whatever. Like, I'm not pandering to them. I'm not catering to them. This is just a film that I want to make. And that's what I want to see more of, more representation of that kind, as opposed to like lip service, like the new Mulan or whatever. It, it's just basically Hollywood going, oh, we have a huge market in Asia. Let's try to tap that. You know, that's, yeah, yeah it's not, it's not great. Thank you for your insight. So our next question is, is your degree based heavily on Western media? Have you had any of your projects incorporate Asian experiences? Like we do have some Western films like out there, like Under the Skin and whatnot, which I mean, it's a class, you know, I love that. But we also have... Again, I mentioned New Iranian Study in the Dogma 95 movie. It's like all sorts, and especially like, you know, we have Korean films there as well. Like, although I was a little disappointed that the movie that we were studying from, director Bong, was Snowpiercer. Like, I love, you know, Bong Joon-ho's films, but his English language movies are not as good as his South Korean films, like Parasite, The Host, you know, those movies. Uh, but no, really good. And me personally, with like the stuff that I've done, the film I produced, uh, the film I'm working on right now, none of them really incorporate any kind of like Asian experience, but I think definitely in the future, I would like to like make something that is more personal to me. Because uh, although, although right now I'm kind of like working like a film producer for the Film Society, at my heart, I'm like, I'm a writer director, I feel there is stuff that I want to like say and get out there. So I mean, who knows, 10 years from now, you might see something that does incorporate more like an Asian experience in there. Uh, hey, you know, time will tell. Um, again, I wasn't a film study student per se, so I can't really speak to that. Um, but from the film course experience, I guess I've had it is quite Western based. Um, but it, it has been getting a little bit more diverse. But that's up to the individual if they want to, you know, really widen their horizon. Because <laughs> you know, what's the point of just studying Western media, or Western cinema? Um, but yeah, I think that's a good way to put it you know you want to say something that's personal to you i think that's what being a filmmaker is is you want to put for your own story and i you know i personally want to produce something and produce things that are or make things not just produce but i like make things and make films that are diverse and speaking to my experience and my personal experience and i think that's what everyone wants to do really um but right now we still are a little bit western centric but that will change. And I'm like, I'm confident that will change. It's frustratingly slow, but it will change. Um, especially now that Hollywood have like noticed, oh God, there's a huge market in the East. What, are we, what can we do with that? It's really cynical to say like, it will change because of that, but it's just true. You know, money, money talks. Thank you so much for the answers. It is actually quite nice to know that there has been a change and, you know, it just will continue to be such a way. And we're going to have more representation as well. So that's really nice. Um, this whole podcast was very insightful, but let's talk about the key takeaways. So if you had to give your one last advice to film students or those interested in studying film, what would it be? I guess like the big thing, just believe in yourself. Like if you want to study films, then go for it. Like you will have 
people in your life being like, bro, like, again, my friend Edward, oh, film study. It's like, yeah, fair enough. But like, if you believe in yourself and you'd be like, no, I'm doing this because I want to, then invest in yourself and, you know, because I've had people in my life who are like, you know, exactly that kind of attitude. And you just like, most creatives anywhere in their life have been like, they're used to getting kind of like beat up in that regard. And if they like stop, then we wouldn't get a lot of the great films that we do have from a lot of like really independent directors out there so yeah just invest in yourself that's my advice i don't know if i'm like the authority on i don't exactly have my life together like i don't think anyone fully does but you know um i guess since you're asking um the biggest thing is to it's gonna sound so cheesy but just like don't be afraid to change you know like don't be afraid to pursue something you actually want to pursue like i'm i always say this but like you don't have to stick to one thing even if you don't do film even if you don't do film studies but if you love it then just do it on your off time you know but but eventually if, let's say you want to go into the industry you don't have to like change course and do a film course or go to film school or whatever you just have to remember what you actually want to do at the back of your head at all times and then that will propel you forward and i think for especially, you know, if we're Southeast Asians and Asians, you know, speaking about this, we need more representation, not just in front of the camera, but also behind the camera. So there's, there's so much going for us and we definitely need roles filled and we need, yeah, just creatives and not just creatives, but just capable people working in the industry and not just to see it as like a wishy-washy industry because, okay, let me tell you, okay. So those of us with really straight Asian parents, you can tell them this, um, it's probably one of the most money-making industries in the world. Look at Netflix. How much money does Netflix make? How much do you pay for your Amazon Prime subscriptions? How much do you, you know I mean? You, you, yeah, you don't have to go to the cinema to watch like every film, but even your parents are watching Netflix. That kind of tells you everything you need to know. You know, like you, give, you got films that make billions and billions of dollars and pounds. So, you know, why are they afraid of you entering a massive business? Um, anyway, sorry, from that aside, <laughs> if you're creative, if you want to be more creative, don't be afraid to change course or don't be afraid to just pursue that even if it's not directly i think my my philosophy is just life's way too short to be doing something you hate <laughs> or you don't want to do okay so thank you so much to our panelists they are so full of passion compared to so many students i see in a popular course so it's i feel so much more cultured i think like now i can name drop names of films to my friends and sound a lot more intelligent so we thank you so much for joining us. I really like how this is also a little networking session. So the next time when someone comes up to us and asks about films or, you know, any recommendations, they, they know whom to get in touch with, you know, those people at Asian Society, they literally had a podcast on that and they know whom to contact. So it's really nice as well. Um, for us, like, you know, every time we record something, last time it was law, I was shook. <laughs> this time I'm even more shook because for this, like, industry, I literally had no idea. So I hope that this podcast is insightful to our listeners as well. But yeah, I mean, thanks for having me. This is like, this was really fun doing podcasts. Like when I, you know, had like, you know, the friend of mine tell me about, oh yeah, it's like they're doing a podcast. They want to get film story students. I'm like, hell yes, I'm going to do this, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm glad to be here and also plugging in my YouTube channel because I said it at the beginning, but I forgot to say the name, Magma Infinity. I'll have a new video out this week. I've not uploaded in like four months because I've just been lazy. That's the honest reason. Yeah, that's it for me. Thanks for listening, everyone. I don't know if that was at all helpful for anyone. Uh, yeah, it was really fun. Thank you for having me. I guess I'm a bit of a narcissist. I like the sound of my own voice. That's clearly <laughs> it. Um, no, I just love talking films. I just love talking, you know, things you're passionate about. And I think that I, the last thing is that 
there's no conventional non-conventional industry or course or whatever you know it's it's all it's whatever you want to do you don't have to see it as conventional or non-conventional that's my last little plug there um and yeah watch the film that's going to come next year that i was working on it's called people we hate at the wedding it's going to be on amazon and probably in cinemas too next summer so yeah that would be cool so once again thank you to our lovely panelists and thank you so much to our listeners don't forget to subscribe to our podcast we upload once in every three weeks on anchor and spotify don't forget to join our society we have a free membership and it's also a very happening society because we just recently had our christmas fundraising event and we have a lot of events planned for the future as well which will give our members a golden opportunity to you know just know people and socialize and gain insight as well so thank you so much for listening and see you in the next podcast bye